Welcome to the South Mims U podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about writing, creative writing to be specific. With me is the head of our creative writing department, Laurie Cannonfield, whose new book of poems, Me Too Versus the Verse, has just been published. Actually, it's hashtag Me Too Versus the Verse. Oh, right. Sorry. Yes. Oh, that's a hashtag, is it? Yes, that's a hashtag. Don't you know what a hashtag is? Oh, I do. I do. Yeah, yes. But um, I, I was a little confused. Fine. But we're not talking about my book. We're talking about the latest edition of our literary magazine, Claw. Yes, uh, Claw, which you edit. I do. I'm the editor. And the new edition is about the nostalgia older people have for the analogue world. It is. We brought together some writers to meditate on what memories of the pre-digital age mean to them and how they make them feel in a world dominated by social media, streaming of music and movies and 24-hour data surveillance. Well, I must confess that I I do qualify as a boomer myself. I, I know listeners will think I'm far younger. I have a young voice, I'm told. Who told you that? Well, um, quite a few people told me that, actually. OK. Well, you don't agree? Uh, well, I can see you. I know you. So I assume that um, you're the age that you are. Which is? You're a boomer. That's clear. Well, hasn't boomer become a pejorative epithet? A what? A pejorative epithet, an insult, a put-down, used most regularly by the young. That's true. It's as if they blame us for everything that's bad about the world. Ah... Uh... It's the world your generation built. Not on our own. The generation before us built it too. No. The generation before you defeated fascism, built the United Nations, generated enormous economic growth and got the technology revolution going. Your generation whined about it in the 60s, voted for Thatcher, Reagan and the Bushes and continue to screw things up by putting Trump in power. Way to go. Well, that's a little hostile. Uh... And then you criticise younger people for always being on their phone and tweeting and Snapchatting and Instagramming their way through the day and being snowflakes. Well, I don't do that either. It's what interested me in the project that I'm working on right now. All right, yeah, yes, yeah, let's talk about that. The boomerang issue of claw. And I must explain, that's the word boomer and then the word rang. We have a picture of a Tweedy gentleman looking askance at an iPhone on the cover. Oh, is that the dean of this university? It is. <laughs> Caught unawares. Great picture. It went viral. Oh, I see. Uh, yes. Uh, all right, well, it's a good cover. Now, you examine this annoying trait we boomers are supposed to have, which is waxing lyrical about analogue, don't you? Like it. Great pun. Pun? Waxing lyrical about analogue. Is it a pun? I, I, it wasn't intentional. Wax as in those old records and lyrical as in what's on the records. Records are made of vinyl. Same thing. It's not the same thing. If I'd been born at the time of Thomas Edison, then perhaps the pun would work. I mean, when recordings were made on wax cylinders. Let's not try and unwrap the pun too much. Now, the new edition of Claw we discovered one of the last writings of a local writer, William Grass. Ah, William Grass. Oh, I remember him. Irascible drunk and um, not that successful as a writer, I recall. He's being reappraised and he's becoming quite trendy. Is he? Well, amazing. 
We discovered a manuscript in his papers, the ones which were donated to the South Mims U archive. Oh, that was in <laughs> that was what was in the old cereal boxes widow gave the dean, was it? Yes. It was a story inspired by a short book written by Joe Brainard, an American artist and writer who was famous in New York literary circles in the 60s and 70s. Joe Brainard. He made collages, did paintings, illustrated book covers, worked with many beat poets like Frank O'Hara. And he wrote a book called I Remember. Hmm, I think I remember it. No, it was called I Remember. Yes, and I remember it. Oh, sorry. I thought, just like a boomer, you were contradicting or correcting me. You have a very jaundiced view of my generation, young lady. Do you blame me? No, not really. Tell us about William Grass's homage to Joe Brainerd's book. First... We need to explain what Brainard did in his short book. He started every sentence or paragraph with, I remember, and then proceeded to remember something, usually about his childhood. Well, every sentence? Every sentence or short paragraph. And that's it? No story, no dialogue? No story or dialogue. Just this kind of call-and-response writing that sometimes matched ideas with each other or were just random. OK. Here's an example. I remember butter and sugar sandwiches. I remember tight white t-shirts and the gather of wrinkles under the arms. I remember regretting things I didn't do. I remember when beehives got really out of control. Beehives? The hairstyle. Not in the place where bees live. Oh, right, OK. Well, well, it's poetic. It's, it's compelling in a strange, mesmeric way. It's like poetry, but it's not poetry. Once you get into the rhythm of the words, it becomes compelling. And William Grass copied this, right? He used the technique. He was good at copying things. I'd rather see it as a homage, a wry commentary on his time. And when did he write it? I mean, Grass, I mean. Oh, in in 2010. Okay, just when the real boomer confusion began to take off with the rapid rise of the smartphone and so on. Yes, and just a couple of years before, he drunk himself to death in the style of Hemingway or Scott Fitzgerald. Right as he idolised. Well, Hemingway shot himself. But he also drank heavily. Oh, well, let's not argue about that. We found not just the manuscript, but a box of cassette tapes which contained recordings of him reading his works. Right, right. So we have a recording of Grass reading his I Remember um, homage. Yes, uh, we do. And I'd like to play it to you. Is this the first time it's been broadcast? Yes. Though this isn't strictly broadcasting, that's another boomer misconception. Podcasts aren't broadcasting. People stream podcasts. They just don't turn on and listen. I know that. Just play the tape, will you? OK, here goes. This is William Grass reading I Remember After Joe. I remember my mother's fingers smudged with carbon paper ink. I remember a big old typewriter that looked like an American car from the 1950s. I remember typewriter ribbon, black on the bottom and red on the top. You could type black letters and red letters. The red letters were for emphasis. I remember keeping a tune in my head as I walked to school. By the time I got there, the tune had merged with another tune to become an entirely new tune. I didn't have a stream of songs in my head, but I had a few good ones. I remember bottles with ink in them. I remember not changing channels because I couldn't be bothered to get up off the sofa. 
And I remember the TV picture swerving and pulsing when big trucks went by in the street outside. I remember that whenever my brother touched the TV aerial, the picture got sharper. I remember missing an episode of Lost in Space and knowing that I would never, ever get the chance to see it again. That made me feel sad and frustrated. I remember writing a story, losing the piece of paper I had written it on and trying to write it out again, but then realising that it had come out as a totally different story. I don't know if it was better or worse. It was just different. I remember my mother showing me how carbon paper worked. You placed it between two bits of paper and then you carefully rolled it into the typewriter. I remember being quite tolerant of typos. I liked shifting the barrel of the typewriter back a bit and crossing them out with X's. I remember that the carbon copy always looked kind of magical. Each word was kind of fuzzy, almost ghostly. I liked the idea that the carbon paper was a portal into another universe, maybe. I remember how records wobbled as they turned on the record player. It was like watching waves at sea. I remember waiting for the scratch I knew was coming at a particular point in a particular song on a particular record. The dull thunk soon became part of the music for me. If I heard the song later without the scratch, I missed the scratch. I remember those little clumps of dust on the record player's needle. I remember flipping through empty record covers in the record store and stopping at albums which had scantily clad ladies on the front. I remember not having anything to do at all and not having any kind of technology to relieve the boredom. I remember big clunky digital watches that glowed red and distracted me during lessons. I remember the kid at school who was the first to bring in a calculator. It didn't make sense to me or any of my friends. I remember arguing with a friend about how there was no such thing as silence. I remember when you took a photo, you didn't know how it would turn out until it came back from the chemist. I remember being surprised when you picked up photos from the pharmacy and some pictures were great and some were terrible. But there was nothing you could do. You just had to accept the memory the way it came back from the labs. I remember dropping my instant camera and the back coming off and knowing that all my pictures were ruined, but I sent the roll of film off to be developed anyway, and some of the pictures looked like they'd been taken in heaven. I remember seeing a young guy on the train with the first Sony Walkman. It looked so small and cool, and I liked that I could hear the stinging sound of the drums from the track he was listening to. I remember the LED display on the first mobile phones. They were bright red and looked so fragile and flickered. I remember when people used to call all mobile phones car phones. I remember not worrying about grammar when I typed, and that I only really started to be concerned when Microsoft added a spell checker and a grammar checker to their software. I remember when my fingers hurt after long hours of typing. I also had a ringing in my head from the little bell that told you when the roller had got to the end. Like one of Pavlov's dogs, I'd automatically hit the bar that lifted up the paper line. I didn't even know I was doing it. It was automatic. I remember getting so creative that the keys on the typewriter would get caught in a little bunch, and I'd have to hold the thought and pull them back and check what I'd written last. I remember the first time I saw colour TV and it looked unreal.
I remember when colour TV was a sign of wealth. I remember the old twisted cord on my parents' ancient telephone and how the receiver felt as if it was made of wood. I remember there being no way to know who had just called you when they'd rung off before you got to the phone. I remember when fax machines were as big as copiers. I remember when the telex was a sign that a business was really important. I remember the clacking sound the telex made, and it always reminded me of police dramas on TV, of the football results on a Saturday. I remember when if you called a friend and they were out, they were just out, and there was nothing you could do about getting a message to them. I remember being out and noting the location of telephone booths just in case I needed to make a call. I remember keeping the right coins in my bag so I could make a call if I needed to. I remember the noise a coin made when you put it in the slot of a public telephone and how it clunked when the person at the other end answered. I remember when a movie was on TV, you just had to watch it or you missed it. And if the phone rang halfway through, you had to make a big decision. I remember when my school got its first video player. It was as big as an iron lung and the picture was terrible. I remember when lights left little trails when the TV camera panned from one place to another. I remember not worrying about who had or who had not tried to contact me. I remember when leaving a message was usually done only when the message was worth leaving. I remember the waxy feel of fax paper. I remember the random lines and smudges on faxes and sometimes how they obscured the most important part of the fax. I remember when the tape used to run out on answer machines and you'd wonder how many messages you'd missed. I remember how music cassettes would get tangled up and become so creased that the music wobbled when that part of the tape passed through the heads next time you played it. I remember using a pencil to rewind a music cassette. I remember the little tabs on the top of a music cassette and how when you wanted to keep something you'd recorded, you had to twist them off. I remember the little sharp plastic sound that music cassette boxes made when you opened them. I remember when a typewriter ribbon finally faded. The last sentence you typed looked as if it was dissolving into the paper. I remember talking to people on the phone far more and for far longer than I do now. I remember digressing more. I remember learning more from other people's digressions. I remember looking out of the window on a train and just thinking. Hmm. Well, it's, it's actually quite moving. It made me very nostalgic for the pre-digital world. Exactly. And we found that young people who know nothing about digital now sympathise more with boomers. Well, at least that's one good thing that comes out of William Grass's writing. Laurie, thank you very much for revealing a very interesting link between writing and memory. I'm going to go home and take out an old cassette tape and feel it, smell it and rattle it. If you'd like a copy of the latest edition of Claw, please send £10 to South Mims U and... Um, Hope for the best. Goodbye.